listening to the Data Transforming Business Podcast. With this series, you can find out how data impacts your business by hearing from today's leading analysts, end users, and vendors, so that you can learn how to truly become data-driven and transform your business. Hello and welcome to the Data Transforming Business Podcast, an EM360 production. My name is Max Curtin, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's episode. Make sure you stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you go for your podcasting needs. Now, joining me on today's episode, I've got Anthony Elliott, who is the Regional VP of Enterprise Sales for Amir North at Talent. Anthony is going to be giving us an exclusive insight into Talent's new 2021 Data House survey, which is titled From Data Saturated to Data Driven, Two Steps to Take to Successfully Work with Data. So, Anthony, welcome to the show, and thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Max. Very welcome. And before we delve into the questions and, and get deep into the survey, can you just give our listeners a bit of background on yourself and Talent? Sure. So, um, hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Um, I've been working at Talent for the last nine months. I've been in um, software uh, for about six years now. And very back in my distant path, I, I was an accountant uh, utilizing data every day. Talent itself, we're a leader in data integration and data integrity, and we're trying to change the way that the world makes decisions. Um, and we've got a number of unique solutions uh, around that that help ensure that organizations have good, healthy data and are able to use data to empower their decision making every day. Which is the key. That's what we need. So uh, excellent to kind of hear that. And before we get into all of the survey findings and, and what we're going to kind of be digesting in today's episode, let's just kind of lay the foundations first of all. So I mentioned data health in the introduction there. So what is data health and why should it be a key pillar for modern enterprises? Sure. So data health, I think, is it's an extension of you know, data governance that started to move into data trust. And this idea of how are organizations able to understand that their data is good? We've all sat in many meetings where you spend more time arguing about you know, the data on the screen. And is that actually right? Because I think I've done better than that or worse than that, than actually discussing the problem at hand. So the vision that we've had is that you know, data health, it's about having a holistic system of both preventative measures, effective treatments, but also the culture that around that, which means you can actively manage the well-being of the corporate information, right? the corporate data. Now, this system would probably include monitoring, reporting tools. Um, it would help people understand and communicate in a simple and easy way to everyone inside their organization, essentially how good that data is, how reliable, what the risk is about using that data. So people can make informed decisions and really get a return on that asset. Why is that important? Well, you know, behind people, data is you know the second uh, largest asset that any organization has. And many of them just can't quantify that, don't understand it today. They don't know how good it is. And it's a real challenge that organizations are having. They're getting more data silos. And at the same time, they're getting more people coming in who are data literate, asking to um, have that data to empower their decision making. So really, what we're trying to do is set out a vision how having a data health approach or having those key principles will help you unlock that black box of your data as an organization 
and really make it that second most powerful asset that you have. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a very important distinction to make there because it, it feels very much, especially the conversations I've been having over the last couple of months, where we are at that kind of crossroad pinpoint section where everyone is seeing these massive data estates and they're just growing and growing and growing. And they're needing to, as you say, what is the health of this? What is the understanding of this? So it's great to kind of hear that coming in. And in in respect of all of this that we're kind of talking about at the moment, uh, obviously I mentioned the survey, which is which is an important thing to understand why this is happening. So can you give us an overview of what Talon's 2021 Data House Survey sought to investigate? Sure. I mean, as a data-led organisation ourselves, we wanted to understand what were the challenges organisations were facing. How should we, you know, um, develop our own roadmap uh, to meet those challenges? So we conducted this research to highlight the gaps and the challenges that those companies are still facing when working with data. They're struggling to get value from that data and, to use the phrase again, build a healthy relationship you know, with the way that they're utilising that data. The current approaches that they have aren't working. They're not solving the right problem. I think, I think it goes back to what you just said now. You know, more data has been created in the last two years than ever before. And all it does is people have focused on, well, can we store that somewhere? Where can we keep that? They haven't really focused on the other part of that problem. That's the beginning of the journey, right? And many organizations have started that journey. Let's just capture all of the data, put it somewhere. But I think the the reality is the pandemic's accelerated the need for that. You know, everyone's working from home. Everyone's trying to self-source, get that information to really know how to pivot their businesses. And companies aren't that successful at becoming data-driven yet. They're trying, but it is not you know, they're finding it hard to answer the right question and get to the right solution quickly. So the recent research we did showed that, you know, 78% of business executives face challenges in using data effectively in their company. They just can't get the right data. They don't know if the data is accurate enough. They don't know how to utilize it to make the right decisions. By having a data approach where data is moved and stored, as I mentioned before, it does actually manage the issues about, well, is it good data? Is it valuable data? Should we even be storing that? We all know that you know, a lot of these organizations, you know, the more you store, the more you pay. Well, what's the point of storing bad data? It costs you money. and There's no point to it. So it becomes like a digital landfill, if you like, for corporate information. And people become drowning in these dark, different data silos and little bits everywhere and trying to pull together a, a total picture. And that comes down to not having a robust way of understanding data quality at their company. In the survey, we found 19% of people didn't know whether there was a standard at all in their organization, right? Almost 20%, one in five of executives have no idea. Is there a quality standard for data here? You add to the fact that then another 30% think it's not actually working for them. You know, half of executives are the data. They don't know how their data is governed. And if it's if it's actually even working, so how are they using that data then to make the right decisions? That's simply, I think, you know, what the survey was trying to get to the bottom of. Yeah, which which is a very key question to be asking because data informs pretty much all businesses now. So if you're not utilizing it correctly, then mistakes are being made along the way, and and it leads nicely into my kind of next point here because. 
when we were looking into the report and we were reading about the data-driven section, it was it was interesting that there was 64% of executives are making a majority of decisions based on data, which is a good-ish number, we'll say. <laughs> but, you know, 36% are still making those gut decisions. And sales and marketing departments are being the least data-driven. And I found that quite shocking to see, especially from those kind of departments. So why do you think that's happening? I'm a sales leader myself, right? So I need to be careful. I don't uh, <laughs> drop my other colleagues in it. I think, you know, when when they say, you know, gut-driven, that means they're just purely going on, on a gut decision. And every gut decision is informed by data along the way, right? It has to be, right? Otherwise, how are you getting the information in for, you, for your gut to even get the, the warm or cold feeling, right, about a decision that you're trying to make? So when I, when I looked at that stat, I kind of took it in the other way to say, well, 64% of people are making gut decisions intuitively informed decisions based on data, right? And that's what you want to do. The other 36% are just going purely on, I think this is what's worked before. So this is the right decision to make. And in the changing, highly, you know, fast changing environment that we're working in today, that's a real risk, right? The, the strategies of the past aren't going to work in the future. So that's kind of, the first thing that I took from it when I looked at it, sales and marketing, we're drowning in data, right? I think, you know, if you look at the executives in that area, you know, marketing people are trying to cope with the GDPR. They're trying to make sure they can have the right campaigns that target the right audiences and then can analyze that to see if that's see if that's working. Sales, right? You know, we, we are a professional part of the business. I know some people might not see that, but um, we at least try to be. And, you know, we've got the CRM tools. We're also putting loads of data and salespeople hate doing it, but it does start to help them get a vision of the client and, you know, and where they're going. The problem is, it's not that I think that they don't want to use the data, it's that they haven't got good data. So, you know, organizations are struggling to manage that entire life cycle of that data, you know, marketing companies and teams. I was talking to a a CDO at a, a UK high street bank and he said, if his marketing team want to come and ask him for who they did a campaign with over five years ago, he's got to go and load up some tapes of data. I mean, you know, tapes, right? I mean, that's that's very, shows how the legacy architecture and the way that they manage that data over the entire life cycle is hindering their ability to make decisions. And for those execs in marketing and sales and other areas, right, to make the informed intuitive decision that they want to make so i think that that's one bit i think that you know data is taken as like an it thing right it's an it problem to go and solve i don't think it is i think it's an everyone problem to go and solve in the organization and i think the focus for many years and someone you know i'm new to this industry right i I came from a very different kind of industry but when i looked at it and was trying to get to grips with with it it was the the rules of the last few decades haven't changed right the focus has been how do we you know how do we make sure we're collecting the data how do we make sure we're cleaning the data and we're storing it and we know what data we've got okay great but how are you making sure people know that how are you making sure people can utilize that how are you making that data a team sport not just something that you know you've got data scientists right in the background managing and doing every day so i think the preoccupation on the mechanics of the data management created enormous problems no connections between the people 
to actually prepare that data as opposed to people that are utilizing that data to make their decisions. There's no way for the front line to easily validate the data that's fueling you know, their decision making. We all live in a world where people will take data and then chuck it into an Excel spreadsheet, regardless of the cool and clever BI tools a lot of the time you're giving people at the front end. Well, how do you make sure they're getting the right data, they're manipulating that data, then putting that back in, right? So there's there's a learning, there's an uh, ever-going-on learning process of that data. you know, And that piecemeal approach to managing, integrating, and storing data created those, those silos. They become very expensive silos, difficult to manage, and the data's dark, so people can't penetrate it. So it's kind of a long answer, but I think that's part of the reason why you've still got so many people making pure gut decisions. And then, you know, I'd say out of the the, the other 64%, how many of them actually know the data they've got is good that they're making that intuitive, informed decision on? Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it is... That, again, understanding the mass that's out there and, as you were saying, can I penetrate it? Can I understand it? Oh, no, it, it's too complicated. I'll just do this. It, it's it's human nature to, to kind of have that kind of approach to things. But with the new tools coming out, I, I know tools are always something that people rely on. Um, but understanding, as you've been saying, understanding your data is going to be key for kind of tackling it and making better decisions at the end of the day. It's, it's, it's the only way that they can make decisions is if they understand it. So there was another bit, obviously, when we're kind of talking about this element of using data effectively, it's, it's the holy grail of what everyone really wants. So there was a part that asked, what challenges does your company face in using data effectively? And the executives that were kind of interviewed, they pinpointed five primary pain points. Can you just maybe kind of walk us through why they're struggling with these pain points and, and these kind of obstacles? Sure. So um, there are five pain points that they identify, like you said. So uh, ensuring data quality was number one. I think you know we kind of discussed that a bit earlier on. Making data available to the right people, a real common theme that comes up. Um, I've been doing a number of uh, roundtables with CDOs and CTOs, and they're all talking about how do they create a self-service culture? How can they get more people able to interact and utilize the data and that's a that's born out of a company need you know it's something they want to do and their company wants them to do um the other problem is you know having enough skilled resources they all seem to be you know constrained and the question i've really started to ask um you know the, the ctos and cdos when they've mentioned that is well are you seen as a cost center to your business or are you seen as a profit center to your business I think a lot of them are viewed as cost centers, so that's why they're struggling for resources rather than viewed as a profit center. That Actually, the data they've got is where the profit is going to come from, and they can enable that if they're given the right resources. Again, you know, speaking to that same CDO, the retail bank, he's talking about the number of days that, you know, in a month, I think it was 24 days a month, he spends just doing the regulatory reporting that he's got to get done right, with the resources that he's got. So that doesn't leave a lot of time right, to be doing the other innovative profit creation um, that he wants to do. So resources. Um, the fourth one was about compliance and security requirements. How are they able to meet that? It's an ever-changing regulatory world. No longer is the focus just on who was the last person to touch that data in the lineage journey. Now it's who's touched it all the way along, right? And where did it come from originally and before then? So it's getting harder. 
And then the last one, and I think, again, something which really is a, a way the, the role for CDOs and CTOs and people involved in data is changing, is creating a data-driven culture. And I think when I was discussing again in these roundtables, the call out for action that a number of them had for their peers was, you've got to keep the language simple. Too often, you know, the language is seen as complicated. It's seen as a barrier. You know, even just the terms that, you know, we use data governance. Well, is that regulatory? Was that just about making sure you know how you've got good data? This confusion, you've got to keep the language simple. And that means your job is changing, right? Your job as a CDO or someone involved in data throughout the chain is one around communication, right? How do you communicate to different people with different levels of data maturity and understanding the reasons why? It's one of the great skills I learned as an accountant was, you know, you've got people that I used to call were number dyslexic, right? You start talking numbers at them and you could see the eyes glaze over. Normally salespeople as it happened. I was thinking of them, right? that I've got no idea what you're talking about. And other people were all into the numbers and the data. One of, you know, the skill that I learned was to say to people, numbers is just a language, right? This is the meaning behind it. And learning how to explain complex things to people in ways that they understood, right? That was easy for them to understand, keeping the language simple for them in the role that they were doing. And I think that's a skill set and a, a need for change management, the industry and the people involved in it need to start to take on board now because you're becoming more important to your companies. You've got to get better at the communication. So that, I think, is a real big change. And it's coming out of more data literacy, right? More people are becoming more data literate, the people that are coming out. And, and the UK is actually doing quite well in this from the recent stats that I saw. It's always good to champion us as doing well for something. Asia is another region that's doing really well. Um, US was actually behind. The people coming out now of universities are more data literate. They're wanting to get the data themselves, wrangle it, solve the problems themselves. So you've got to try and meet that requirement as well. So I think those are the challenges and primary pain points hitting executives today that we identified. Yeah, definitely. And, and the data literacy is only going to um, increase as, as time goes on. So it is kind of understanding that change is coming and, and the communication element is is so, so key going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's in all our lives, right? You know, even when people talk about the apps, right? You know, what our app story is data, data, data. Well, what does that really mean? What does that really mean? So that's a really key point. Um, people are becoming more data literate, right? Even just on the peripheries. Even you know, our grandparents are sitting there going, well, I don't know. Should I get on TikTok? Is it owned by spy companies? I don't know. So, yeah, the data literacy is really improving, and that means the demands and challenges are getting greater. Exactly, exactly. People are very aware. So it's interesting to see how this space is kind of going to grow going forward for sure. There was also another part of the survey, which I think we kind of need to address because it's interesting that there's this glaring gap between those who kind of produce and deliver data you know your data producers and then those who consume it the data users that we were just speaking about in terms of the actual perception of data quality and reliability which is so so important so why is this such a big deal and can it be rectified between the two yes i think is the the, the short answer but the way to make it happen is going to be a long one so um yeah, users and producers, they don't share the same picture of the data. You know, the, the, the creators of that data are saying, hey, this is great data that I've given to, for you. 
um, because you know, the behaviors and the policies around data quality aren't, aren't really implemented or understood. And then the people that are getting that data are going, well, this is, is it, this is just wrong. And that probably comes back to that gut feeling, you know, that a lot of people have the, the intuitively informed, the data that I've got isn't proving or showing some of the things that I would expect. So there's this clear gap and divide, right, um, between the producers and the users. And it just perpetuates a, a detrimental lack of transparency and understanding as to what is going on with that data and how to make those decisions. And if you've got that lack of understanding, it doesn't create that collaborative culture, right? It creates a, a finger pointing culture, I think. I think a lot of companies are suffering from today. And it's how do you take down the silos between the apps, you know, the systems and between the people? Because, you know, a tool isn't going to fix that, right? Changing a process isn't going to fix that. Bringing in, you know, or trying to educate the people isn't going to fix that. Only an approach which uh, embraces all three of that technology, process and people is actually going to fix that in the long term. So that's why I think it's an easy to say, yes, you can fix it. It's harder and a longer journey to fix it. But by fostering the collaboration between the people and between the processes and the tools that support those people, that's how you're going to integrate a cultural change. And that's how you're going to get more data alignment moving forward with those data strategies. So you've got to consider those uh, foundations and you've got to consider how that is going to spur the growth that you need inside your organization, probably to get the culture, the change management and the financial support at the end of the day to make all of that happen. And I see the CDOs and CTOs of the world as champions of that, right, because they're the ones that get the problems. They're the ones that people come to to say, your data's not good enough. I've got a problem here. Your team don't understand my requirements. So I think they're in a very unique position to see all the problems from the different teams and actually understand how it's the same problem. And they're the ones that can fix it. Mm-hmm. Again, it comes back to that conversation, isn't it? You know, having that conversation, communication, and then building these collaboration processes out from that. So I think that's that's very key to, to make. And sorry, and again, it goes back to what I said before. Are you a cost center or a profit center? Right. You know, it's yeah. a very financial binary way, which my mind sometimes works as a former accountant. <laughs> but, you know, it's it, everyone should be a profit center to a certain extent. Everyone yeah. provides value into that organization. It might not be in dollars, pounds, you know, euros, but there's always a profit that you give to the organization. And you've got to articulate that and you've got to champion it. And I think CTOs have been seen too much as a cost center in the past, right? Expensive bits of million pounds worth of kit and people going, well, what did I get for it? Well, they can see all the problems and they can actually start to bring all the different teams together to say, look, here's your problem. If we all collaborate as sales, right? You guys making all the gut decisions, marketing, asking for data, then still making gut decisions, you know, product asking, well, which way do we need to go? How do we need to build new stuff? You've all got the same problem. It's all about the data. I can help you fix it if we all come together. So I think that's a real challenge they can take on board and really roll their sleeves up and fix. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That, that's exactly it. Roll your sleeves up and, and get stuck in for sure. Um, last kind of question here. I, I feel like I could uh, keep you here for a while talking about the survey because there's a lot of good stuff to kind of uh, delve into. But we'll uh, we'll start to wrap up here. There's 
the start of the uh, the report and the forward of the report, Talon CEO Crystal Beaumont notes that our relationship with data is not healthy, and I think that's quite a, a bold but truthful statement to kind of make. So, how can organizations best build a healthy relationship with data, and in turn remove some, if not all, of the roadblocks that we've previously discussed in this episode? Sure. So, I think so. Again, I mean, just to reiterate. What does Crystal mean by that? So, you know, Crystal's come into the industry and, and she, she was leading sales organizations in the past. And, you know, the problem is always the data. So I think it's something as an executive, she's lived and breathed. And so it gives her a bit of a unique insight right, into the problems that you know her customers and our customers and the, the industry are facing. So I think it comes from a, a very informed point of view. Now, the holistic system is those preventative measures, effective treatments, and that supportive culture to actively manage that well-being of that corporate information, right? That second most valuable asset. You know, Crystal sees that as a you know a system that's that monitoring, it's reporting to help all organizations understand and you know communicate in a quantifiable way. You know, we've done it via a trust score, for example, to say, well, how good is that data? Can you trust it? Can you use it? Can it be reliable? In the future, I think the aim is for data health solutions to help create a universal set of metrics to evaluate that health throughout the life cycle, to give an indicator to the overall strength of the business. I know, you know, Crystal's spoken about, you know, wouldn't it be great that an organization in its annual report would be able to say, hey, look, this is the value of the data we've got. And we know that because, look, this is the scoring system that we can use to tell you how valuable that data is that we're sitting on as, you know, an organization. That's a huge pivotal move for an organization to be able to make. But I think a real valuable one as we move into the data driven you know, uh, new age, if you like, that we're moving into. I mean, for too long, we've treated data as you know simple concrete units you know i put it back into the spreadsheets right my data is a raw table of data in a spreadsheet in the background and i create some pretty pivot tables or fancy v lookups on the few on, on the front of it well that's not really a healthy way to look at the data you know it's passive it's waiting for you know, an analyst to come and do like me like you know in the old days to come and do something with it it's no longer sufficient for the world that we live in Data is complex. It's ever changing, right? More people are wanting to try and move towards live streaming of data. Well, again, if you don't understand the quality and how good that data is that you're live streaming into your systems, you're just creating more of that landfill and paying more for it for your data. So we've got to fix that. We've got to make sure that the the new inputs are flowing in and out. We've got to make sure that the users that you're collecting that data for, right? You're collecting the data for a reason. Know about that data, know how to utilize it, know what's good out there. And as new bits of data become available, can see it and and start to get the insights from it. It's very complex. You've got to have that holistic view. And if you're not, then I think you're starting to miss out on things. So just like that's what we, I think Crystal came to that health thing. It's just like human health. If you're not listening to whether your body's telling you, right, that you are, if you're not out there and seeing, you know, and being responsible for that, then your health's going to deteriorate. And we all know that, you know, the, the world of the last year, having to listen to the different parts of our body, right, not just the physical, but the mental, the other parts as we've gone through the pandemic. So as, you know, just like the human health, Data health would be different for different companies depending on their maturity, right? I'm over 40. My body tells me different things to when I was 30. 
I'm not liking all the things it's telling me. But you know, as I mature and I grow older, I've got to adapt and grow and listen to it in different ways. So the companies need to focus and establish a routine for that data health. So preventative measures, preemptively identifying and resolving those data challenges, right, as they occur in real time, making sure you've got effective treatments, right? You've got a systematic way to improve that data reliability and reduce that risk. Have a culture around you that supports that, making sure everyone in the organization, literally everyone understands the why, why this is important, what we need you to do, why we need you to do that, and make sure that they, they feel like they own it, I think is going to be really important moving forward. So that those would be the other thing, the three kind of areas that I would focus on. And it's not an impossible task. Um, you know, we recently released a, a case study in a company called Viare. They um, make medical equipment, and obviously they've had to shift that to make a lot of breathing supporting equipment, you know, over the last last year. The only way they were able to do that was by having a holistic view to the way they, they viewed their data from their R&D team trying to design new ways of building the breathing equipment to um, you know, the operations team and the production teams understanding how they could drive efficiencies, how they could shift their models, right, to, to um, meet the new demand. One of the large pharmaceutical companies that we've worked with, um, you know, who's come out with a vaccine, uh, they were able to shift their entire business's focus within four weeks from all the other clinical trials they were doing to solving the issue of COVID-19. And the only, you know, they came to us, so the only, only ways they could do that was because they had a holistic view of all of their data sets, where everyone was, what everyone was working on, how advanced those different programs were to restructure the entire organization you know, within a matter of weeks to say, this is our focus. This is the call to action. We've got to fix this for the world. And they were able to do that and, you know, come out as one of the first people with vaccines. You, so the answer is you can do it. Obviously, the medical and, you know, the, the pharmaceutical companies have had a real need to shift that recently, probably faster than others and accelerate it. So I don't want people to think it's difficult. This is, you know, just a vision interview. It's a nice place to get to. It is definitely somewhere you can get to. Just understand where you are on that curve uh, and start to make the small steps communicate it tell people why it's important and um start the journey now i think that's the a perfect note to say and a perfect note to end on it's, it's exactly that it's not a easy road but it gets easier the more you prep and the more conversations you have so i think that's that's very key going forward so anthony all i can say is thanks for coming on today's episode walking us through all of this with the survey and the importance of data health thanks max really appreciate the time today Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, who took the time to listen to this episode. We do hope you took a lot away. There's a, there's a lot of key important facts in this episode that you should really be taking forward in your day-to-day life of how you kind of manage your data. And we could have kept talking for a very long time in relation to this survey. But for you to check it out yourself, please head on over to talent.com. The report will be there, and it's well worth a read because there are some really important information in there. We'll be back soon with another episode in this series. Until then, please subscribe on all major platforms. Join in the conversation at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And of course, if you're looking for more great daily content, head on over to em360tech.com. Music